Jen, we are totally on the radio right now. <laughs> Welcome to Benedettiville Radio. I'm Jen Benedetti. I'm Gio Benedetti. This is Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures. We're going to come to you guys every single Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. here on Petaluma Zone KPCA 103.3 FM. And we have our first ever show. And I got to say, it's pretty spectacular. I think you're pretty spectacular. I think you're pretty spectacular, Jen. What kind of stuff do we have for these beautiful radio listeners? We're going to tell some stories. I like stories. We're going to play some songs. I love songs. We have some great interviews with some amazing local people. I love amazing local people. And let's get it going. Let's get it, kick it off. We have a local news broadcast. Yes, we do. Hyper local, super local news broadcast. And that's going to be coming at you right after this message from our sponsor. Fake sponsor. Shh, they're not supposed to know that. It looks like the sun's going down and it will be nighttime soon. You're right. I'm hungry. Me too. I wish there was some sort of thing that we could do every evening or every night right around this time where we wouldn't have to be hungry anymore. So do I. What's that, kids? Is it evening slash nighttime and is somebody hungry? Yes! Well, worry no more, for now there's dinner time. Dinner time? Yes, dinner time. It's a brand new thing. It's the coolest time in town. Every evening or night when people are getting hungry, people are finding, heating up, cooking, or buying food and eating it. No way! Way! So next time you're hungry and it's evening or night, make time for the coolest time in town. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Hey folks, Gio and Jen back in here in the newsroom studio of Benedettiville. Where we are excited to bring you the first ever segment of local news. When we say local news, we're talking so much more local than you've ever been used to before. We're like extreme micro local news. For the week of February 4th, 
We bring you the news straight from the streets of Benedettiville. On the east side of Petaluma, a small rebellion broke out after children were refused second helpings of dessert. The incident started when a small child, no names will be named, demanded to be served more dessert after claims that her sister was allegedly served up a larger portion of said dessert. Emotional protests broke out after those demands for second helpings were refused. After what seemed like hours, but was actually only a few minutes, the protesters consented to warm baths and bedtime stories, and an agreement was made for a fresh start. This just in, Leah has a loose tooth. Yes, friends, we have verified reports here in Benedettiville that little Leah has her first loose tooth. The loose chomper is a front tooth on the top portion of her mouth, and it certainly is a wiggler. We were on the scene with Leah while the tooth was being wiggled and got this interview. So, Leah, word on the street is you have your first loose tooth. Is that true? Yes. How does it feel to have a loose tooth? Good. When I keep wiggling, it'll probably be coming out. It will probably just come out. And then what's going to happen? I'm going to put it in under my pillow and I'm going to wait for the tooth fairy at night. The tooth fairy? My mom and everyone are... Um, thinking and wondering what I'm going to get from the, the um, tooth fairy. That sounds exciting. Hey, if the tooth fairy comes to your house, can um, you let me know what, what happens when the tooth comes out and if the tooth fairy does in fact come? Mm, yes. That's great, Leah. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Leah. In sports news, the neighbors got a new basketball hoop. A very competitive and intense game of tag was played using the backyard, front yard, both open doors upstairs and downstairs of our house. And two young Petaluma girls have embarked on the challenging but very exciting exercise of balancing and moving through space on wheels. We sent our top field correspondent, Puppet Alley, to meet with these young ladies and see what it is all about. So cool. So, um, Emmeline, can you tell me a little bit about the wheels that you ride on? Yeah. So I have a bike, and its name is Whipwalk, and it has pedals I can, and two wheels, and I can ride it all by myself. Wow! That's awesome! A bike named Riprock. And Stella, what are you riding on these days? Um, I've been riding on some roller skates. How long have you been roller skating? Just for a few days. And how's that going for you? It's actually going pretty well. That's fantastic! How many wheels do your roller skates have? Four. I mean, like, if you go, if you count both wheels together, it has eight, but yeah. Four on each foot, right? Yes. Okay, girls, what do you like best about riding on wheels? That the fun. Yeah. Because we can go really fast on them. And when we fall down, it's funner than 
I think anything. <laughs> you like to fall down? Yep. <laughs> okay, so what can you tell our listeners out there about falling down? When you fall down, you get back up. How about you, Emmeline? When you fall down, do you get up too? Yeah. And when I fall off of my bike, my bike falls down too. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, that sounds pretty tricky. Is that why you wear that helmet yep. and those those knee pads and stuff? Yeah. How do you wear a helmet and a jacket but no knee pads? Now, Stella, what do you have to say to people out there who are trying to roller skate or really do anything for the first time? If you fall down, you should just get back up again and try harder. Even if you know that you're gonna, if you know that you're gonna fall more time, and knowing that it's gonna be fun, even if you fall, <laughs> that's great. Wow! Thanks for talking to me today. Welcome. Um, and keep on riding those wheels. Okay. Okay. You're doing great. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks for that report, Allie. Good job on those wheels, gals. And that's it for the news. Now, on to the next thing. What's up out there? Whoa, can you feel that groove, Petaluma? Yeah. What's up? My name's Rocco Blastorius. Uh, I am the greatest bass player ever to come out of any of the puppet lands. And uh, I think everybody would agree with you about that. Yeah, well, I'm playing right now. Oh, what was that? Oh, yeah, we just dropped the beat in there. A lot of people ask me, uh, what is the bass, Rocco? Or, uh, Blasto, depending on whether people are calling me by my super cool nickname or not. Um, but they don't know what it is. My mission as the greatest bass playing puppet of all time is to bring the music of the bass to everybody with thick grooves and ultimately funky bass lines. We will rock and thrash and slap and pop our way through a complete knowledge of all things bassy. Yeah, so like, tune in all the time because I'm just going to do that every week, bro. Whoa. So long. Rocco Blastorius, it's been a pleasure rocking with you. In startling news this week, the Imagination Center of the Galaxy released shocking numbers. Imaginations and imaginative powers were looking, in their more scientific words, pretty shabby. As stalwart defenders, supporters and purveyors of all things imaginary, etc., we at Benedettiville went to one of our local fellow imagination champions, Patty Norman at Copperfield's Books to try to get to the bottom of this and see what we can do to make it right. Hi, Patty. Hi, Gio. Thanks for talking to me. Were you as shocked as we were at those terrible numbers coming out of the Imagination Center of the Galaxy? I tend to believe that your numbers are wrong. I'm all in on imagination. Patty, could you please explain to the listeners at home what you do and why imagination powers around you tend to be rather strong and robust. I match kids with books and books with kids. And I know there's a book for everybody who likes to read. And I know 
everyone has an imagination if you just tickle it. This is a little bit scary, but what if a kid says that they don't like to read? Do you have a book for that kid? I do. I will ask what they do like to do, and I guarantee I'll find a book about that. Does the book actually tickle the imagination, and is that a nice feeling or an uncomfortable feeling? Oh, it's a nice feeling. It's actually very intriguing and usually makes you want to go home and explore a little more. So what you're saying is that if I'm a kid that doesn't like to read, that I can come to you, you will match me to a book that will, in fact, tickle my imagination, which is not a bad feeling? That is completely correct, Gio. If you're doing such great imagination work here, and if the imagination center of the universe is releasing such low numbers, is there a force at work acting counter to our imagination powers? Is something trying to stifle imagination? That's my question. I believe there is. Nefarious dark sources. But I think we can fight back and keep tickling imaginations and keeping people going forward. They just need to put down all things electronic. All things electronic? Except for this microphone. Well, yeah. And whatever device you're listening to this radio show on, don't put that down <laughs> until at least 4 o'clock. Patty, in your experience, has there been a book or series of books that for you, either growing up or now, was the most or significantly successful in expanding and strengthening your imagination? Yes. I would say that Harry Potter, for grown-ups and kids alike, was a brand new experience for, it, for imaginations everywhere and opened the door for lots more books of all sorts to come in. Did you read books before Harry Potter came? I certainly did. I read books since I was a little kid, and I got them through Scholastics. Do you remember what the book was, or was there... Were you lucky enough in the town that you grew up in to have someone who matched you to a book? No, but I went to the library a lot, and they always helped, and they let me take out as many books as I wanted. And I still remember a book I read and learned from about horses to this day, if I could find it, I would get it back just because it's like an old friend. I read it so many times. I also have memories of books like that. And you know what your story just reminded me of? Another great story by a man named Roald Dahl called Matilda, where she goes to the library and makes friends with the librarian, and they let her check out all the books that she wants every week. I felt, I felt rich every time I left the library with a stack of books, yeah. and that's still true. Is there anything that you would like to say to people that might be afraid of books, might be afraid of reading, or might not know exactly how to find their imagination? I would say it is completely okay to think you don't like reading, and everybody has a different experience, but it's not okay to not try. So you have to come in and look at things and see if something starts your imagination up, because they're just idling down there waiting to be kicked into gear. I really like that idea that there, there are a bunch of books that are just looking for homes. They're looking to be activated. And the imagination of you out there in Radioland, you could activate that book. And then your imagination would take off. That'd be amazing. It's crazy. It would be beautiful to see. Let's do it. Patty, thanks for all of your work for the imaginations of our town. You are very welcome. I'm always here. You heard it here, folks. Patty's always here, the books are always here, and your imagination is always there. So put the pieces together and we'll turn this thing around, no problem. I'll bet that Imagination Center of the Galaxy is going to have revealing and astounding, wonderful new numbers for us as soon as they get their next report out. Patty, thanks so much for talking to us. Gio, thank you.
Back to you in the newsroom, gang. Wow, that was awesome. Thanks, Gio. Thanks, Patty. You know what else is awesome? Pizza. If you could make any kind of pizza and put anything on top of your pizza in the whole wide world that you wanted, what, what kind of pizza would you make? What would you put on it? Macaroni and cheese. Um, cheese pizza. Mushrooms and olives. Pineapple. Um, things. White, white treats on it. Ooh, like what kind of treats? White candy. Pepperoni. Cheese. And maybe some... Ooh, I love broccoli on my pizza. Olive and sausage. Cheese and olive. I do what I usually do. Just like um, a regular cheese pizza with mozzarella balls. I would put chocolate and peppermint on my pizza. How many slices of pizza can you eat? I can eat two or one. About not ten. Don't say one hundred, cause no one can. One hundred. I could eat twenty. Eight. Two. Ten. Maybe a lot. Like I have eaten four pieces before, and I think I can eat ten or nine. I'm actually free, so I get actually free. Probably a thousand pizzas. A thousand whole pizzas? What about you? Uh, five slices. Five slices? That sounds reasonable. I think that sounds like remarkable self-restraint. Honestly, five slices. Hey, way to go, man. That's, you got some willpower. I like the, the kid who's like, three so i i get three slices of pizza i would like to carry that logic to me i'm 37 i get 37 slices of pizza <laughs> right? i'm totally down. yes i'm going to pizza with that kid <laughs> for the rest of my life in a secret room In a secret building, somewhere deep below the city of Postopolis, a message written on a delicious sheet of lasagna has been delivered. That can only mean one thing, that our daring agents of good, agents Penne and Linguini, have been given another mission. Another mission impossible. Mission Impossible with Agent Penny. That's a spicy meatball. And Linguini. Uh, hey there, you gonna finish that pizza? Huh? Fighting for the good and justice for all of Postopolis. And taking on the fearful and dastardly Don Spaghetti. You'll never escape from my little trap. (laughs) Yes, welcome to another episode of Mission Impossible. Linguini, put down that pizza and get over here. There's a new mission. 
Mmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll be right over there. It's just that pizza's so good. It's a lasagna oh. message. Mm. That's serious stuff. Now, what's mm. it say here? Agents. All of the Parmesan cheese in Postopolis has been stolen. What? what? The king of crime, Don Spaghetti, is behind it. Parmesan cheese? They think it's hiding in the warehouse out on do? the docks. The password is Chow. Please eat this message so that it cannot fall into the wrong hands. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, I'll take care of that. It won't fall into the wrong hands because it's falling into my mouth right now. Hey, I hope you remember the password. Oh, yeah, of course I do. It's Chow. Hey, did you know that Chow means hello in Italian? Right. It also means goodbye. Oh, yeah. Now, come on, Linguini. Get your stuff. We've got some cheese to recover and some bad guys to nab. Yeah, let's go get them. And so our heroes head down to the docks, hiding themselves behind packing crates whilst keeping an eye on Don Spaghetti's secret warehouse. Oh no, hey, Penny, look at the guards, the giant rigatoni. And look, they got huge forks. They're not messing around. Hey, hey, maybe I think, wait, why don't we just sit this one out? Maybe we can just go back to headquarters. I'll make a nice Alfredo sauce or something. We are not going back. And we can't make a decent Alfredo sauce. They stole the Parmesan cheese, remember? They stole the Parmesan? Okay, right. We're going to charge in. They won't know we'll hit them. They're not hey, going to hey, steal my Parmesan. back here. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're not charging anywhere. We're going with the plan. We know the password is chow, so we'll say the password and get inside. Once we're inside, we can make sure the stolen cheese is there. You radio the police. I'll keep an eye out for Don Spaghetti and make sure he doesn't escape this time. Oh, right. The plan. Yeah, that sounds good. Password is chow. The password is chow. The password is chow. And so our heroes, cleverly disguised as rough and tumble dock workers, step out from their packing crates and approach the warehouse guards. Ahem. Uh, hey, chow. Chow. Oh, uh, yeah, chow. They're not opening the door. Yeah, okay. Hey, let's try again. Ahem. Hey, chow. Chow. Uh, yeah, uh, I said ciao. I think they think we're just saying hi to them. What a terrible password. Yeah, you said it. Hey, let's try again, but this time try and make it sound sneaky, okay, like this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hey, ciao. Ciao. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, right, the password. Hey, sorry, here you go. <laughs> Mamma mia, what a terrible password that is. This happens every time, I tell you. We gotta change Showing it. their cleverness and courage, our charismatic agents make their way into the secret warehouse. We're inside. And there's oh, the, the Santa Chiela Linguini. Get out of that cheese. Oh, so good. Oh, my. Have you ever seen this much I cheese? I need you to radio is police headquarters like now and call for backup. I'm going to try to find Don I Spaghetti. I can't believe it. Hey, hey, you want some of this cheese? It's everywhere. I got, I filled up all my pockets. I filled up my backpack. It's Linguini. delicious. Uh-oh. Ciao, Agents Penny and Linguini. You have found me. Hey, Penny, I can't tell. Is he saying chow is in hello, or is that chow is in goodbye? I'm not sure. In my case, my very pesky mission impossible agents. It means both. Hello, you found my warehouse, but uh, <laughs> goodbye, for you've stepped straight into my trap. <laughs> so... Ciao, little agents, and uh, a ciao. 
Ow! Oh, that, hey, I don't like watch that. it. What is that? Put me down. That's spaghetti. Uh. Oh, man. With characteristic mischief and sneakiness, Don Spaghetti springs his trap. A crane has picked up our heroic agents and is even now carrying them over a revealed bowl of salted boiling water. Will our heroes find a way to escape? Will the cheese be returned to the good people of Postopolis? Will Don Spaghetti ever be brought to justice for his wicked ways? Tune in next week for the thrilling, delicious conclusion to another Mission Impossible! Has this ever happened to you? You wake up in the morning, get out of bed, and before you know it, your feet are cold! Well then, you should put on some socks. Yes, socks! Nothing says I like warm toes and sliding on hardwood floors better than a fresh, soft, slick pair of new socks. Nothing says I love you and I want your feet to be roasty, toasty, and comfortable like the gift of socks. Yes, socks. The best thing to happen to cold feet ever. Socks are available pretty much anywhere. Some restrictions apply. Remember not to wear only socks when outside, especially if it's wet out. Wash socks regularly or you will have very stinky feet. Places that I've been, places that I've been. Some of them I've loved and some I'd never go again. Places that I've been, places that I've been. Are they real or pretend? Did all that stuff really happen in? Stories that I told you about the places that I've been. We went camping when I was a kid. We wanted to go for a hike, so we did. And someone found a neat spot on the map, a lake of some kind. The hike was long and steep and rough. The sun was hot and I huffed and puffed, hoping for a swim and then a nap. Didn't happen. Cause the place was called Bloodsucker Lake Oh no! And when I jumped in I got leeches on my face Mosquitoes in the air Biting everywhere I'll never go back there Not ever, not once, never again Places that I've been Places that I've been Some of them I've loved and some I've Places that I've been, places that I've been, are they real or pretended? All that stuff really happened in the stories that I told you about, places that I've been, places that I've been, places that I've been. Hey, you're listening to Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures with Gio and Jen Benedetti. Hi, guys. Here on 103.3 FM, or maybe you're streaming it live at kpca.fm. Thanks for joining us. Thanks indeed for joining us. Now, this is streaming live on the web, which means that people could be listening to this anywhere in the world, or indeed, the universe. And we might not know all of the super, hyper, micro, local news that's happening for you guys out there, especially if you're from distant galaxies. So please, if you have any ideas, if you have news, if you have a story, drop us a line. We would love to get it on the radio. Be a part of Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. 
Our email address is mail at benedettiville.com. Next up, we have a beautiful little story for you created out of the bedtime realms here in Benedettiville, where lots of wonderful, magical stories are created. So sit back, get comfortable, and prepare to travel to a strange and wonderful place where balloons don't float. And there you will meet a boy and a professor and a lovely little story we like to call Balloons. Once upon a time, there was a little boy. And the boy lived in a town a lot like your town. It had roads, shops, parks, houses, schools, regular town stuff. It was a town a lot like your town in a world a lot like your world. However, the little boy's world did not have floating balloons. The little boy loved balloons, and he wished that they would stop falling and bobbing slowly back down to earth. They were so round and light, and the boy believed that they truly belonged in the sky. He wanted them to float, so he tried filling the balloons with other things, trying to get them to float. First, he tried different kinds of air. He tried blowing up the balloons with his air. Then he tried his friend's air. Then he tried the air from his bike pump. And he tried the air from the big air pump at the gas station on the corner. But it didn't get the balloons to float. Next, he tried water. He tried ocean water. He tried pool water, stream water, lake water. He tried snow and ice. He tried hot water. Nothing would get the balloons to float. But it was lots of fun in the summertime. He tried catching the floating breezes that would blow by with big bags and then putting those breezes into the balloons. That didn't work either. He tried filling the balloons with soft feathers of flying birds. He tried filling the balloons with soda water because the bubbles floated, but the balloons did not float. He tried filling the balloons with driftwood, with leaves, with other things that he could see floating on water, but they did not help his balloons to float in the air. The little boy spent years trying to get his balloons to float, but they never did. Until he met the professor. It was on one discouraging morning, because he had been trying to fill balloons with different combinations of spices, from the spice rack in the kitchen, hoping for a magical combination of ingredients. It did not get the balloons to float, but it did make a very spectacular mess. Anyway, it was on this day that he walked down to the park in the center of town. He brought a few balloons with him, tied to strings. He was always walking around with balloons tied to strings, just in case. They kind of bobbed and wiggled and dragged behind him as he walked into the shady paths of the large park. He sat on his favorite bench and sighed a heavy sigh. He looked up. On the bench, across from him, the boy saw a very strange woman wearing very strange clothes and making very strange sounds and gestures. This was the professor. She was wearing large and elaborate goggles and was wearing a large paint and oil and other stuff spattered white coat and had tools and wires and gadgets and who's-its and what's-its falling out of her pockets and bulging out of the large suitcase beside her. She was now standing on the bench, pointing up and muttering and exclaiming things that the boy could not understand from where he was. She was clearly very excited and clearly very happy. The boy went over to investigate. As he approached, he could make out what she was saying. It works! It works! I finally got it right! See, there it goes! Up, up, and away! 
the boy walked up. The woman's excitement was very, well, exciting. And the boy was swept up in it. What works? he asked. What have you got right? The woman turned a beaming smile at the boy, and happy eyes gleamed from behind the large goggles. Floating air, kid! Floating air! Look up there! That's it! I finally got it right! The boy looked up to where the woman pointed. There, floating slowly away, was a little dark speck, too high to clearly make out. Imagine it, boy! Floating air in bike tires, riding your bike through the skies, floating air in your air mattresses, floating through your dreams, floating air in your balloons, bobbing and tugging and floating off into space. It works! (sighs) But that was all the floating air that I had. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid I can't make any more, the woman said sadly. Why not? asked the boy. Because... I'm missing one of the ingredients I need for my floating air formula, she said. What's in the recipe? Maybe I can help, the boy said hopefully. Well, the first ingredient is water from a very, very tall waterfall. The taller, the better, she said. Do you know where any waterfalls are? The boy asked. I don't, but I could help you find some. We could search the tallest mountains, and I could find the tallest of the tallest waterfalls. We could do it. Oh, no, no, no. I have plenty of tallest waterfall water the woman said, removing her goggles and rubbing her eyes. I have gallons and buckets and huge containers full of the stuff. I have a friend who lives high up in the highest mountains, and she sends me water whenever I need it. Oh, well, what else do you need? asked the boy. The second ingredient is soft, light feathers from the birds that fly the highest, fastest, and furthest of all the birds, the professor said. I could help you find those birds, the boy said. I don't know what they are, but we could travel far and wide. And I have keen eyes, and I could spot any feathers that had fallen, and then we could collect the feathers that you need. Oh, no, 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 no. I have plenty of feathers, said the professor. I made friends with the birds that fly the highest, fastest, and furthest years ago, and they visit me often and always bring me their soft, light feathers when they are through with them. Oh. Well, what else do you need, asked the boy. The third ingredient is the hottest fire from the deepest volcano, the professor said. Oh, well, I don't know where that volcano might be, the boy said, but we could search the mountains of the world, and I can help you find it, and then we could find a way to collect some of its fire. Oh, no, 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 no. I have plenty of fire from the deepest volcano, said the professor. I dug a tunnel that leads from my backyard to the lava at the heart of the world's deepest volcano. When I need its fire, it's as simple as turning on the hot volcano fire faucet. But if you have water from the tallest waterfall, feathers from the highest, fastest, furthest flying birds, and fire from the deepest volcano, what could possibly be harder to find than those things? The boy asked. The fourth ingredient is the ingredient that I need, the professor said. The fourth ingredient is the fresh spark of hope that floating air is even possible. And I used up all of mine in all of my experiments and all my trying and trying and failing and failing until finally I made that small container. But mine's all used up. They looked up to see the black speck in the sky fade away as it floated up. Yep, I'm absolutely out of that fresh spark of hope, she said sadly. But I have that, the boy shouted. I have that for days and days and days. Let me give you my fresh spark of hope that floating air is possible. We could use mine. 
So the boy and the professor walked quickly and excitedly back to the professor's laboratory. The professor put what looked like an old cooking pot on the boy's head. It was attached to some clamps, which had some wires, which led to a giant wall of levers and dials and buttons and knobs, which led to some tubes, which led to some boiling and frothing other tubes and vials of different strange-smelling liquids, which led to more tubes, which led to some wires, which led to a computer, which led to more wires, which led to a big funnel, which dropped into a large metal container, which was chained with large heavy chains to the ground. Okay, start hoping, the professor called after she hustled and bustled about getting all the ingredients and the levers and the dials and the buttons ready, and the boy started hoping. He hoped every hope he had ever had for a floating balloon. He hoped for a balloon to tug on the string in his hand and pull gently into the air. He hoped for a million floating balloons attached to his bed and himself floating through the clouds in his pajamas. He hoped for floating tires and floating mattresses and floating everything and meeting clouds and birds and whatever else lived high in the sky where no kid had ever floated before. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's enough, kid. That's enough. Hold on to that hope for a minute, shouted the professor. The boy snapped his eyes open and looked up, coming back from his lovely floaty daydream. The large metal container in the middle of the laboratory was floating, hovering in midair, straining at the heavy chains that were holding it from floating off for good. That was more floating air than I ever thought we'd get, the professor said, amazed. I need to get another container ready. And so they went on filling up containers with floating air until finally by that afternoon they had more than they knew what to do with. The first thing they did with it was fill up their bike tires. They laughed and shrieked and screamed as they rode through the air around the laboratory. Then they filled up an air mattress, not too full. And with some canoe oars they rode themselves around the air hovering over the professor's yard. And then, finally... The boy filled up his balloons, and they tugged and pulled at his hand, bobbing away from him, gently trying to pull him into space, and it was everything that he had always hoped for. The professor was so delighted with the balloons that they began to fill up more and more and more balloons, and soon they had hundreds of balloons filled. They draped a large, sturdy blanket over the hundreds of balloons, and it bulged up into one giant, lumpy balloon. Then. They tied a large basket very securely to their large, lumpy balloon. They furnished the large basket with some mattresses, non-floating, food, some clothes, and the professor's very full briefcase. Then they got inside and cut the ropes holding their new floating air balloon to the earth, and they sailed up and up and up. They caught a breeze, and the boy and the professor floated away on the wind to have many, many more lovely adventures. The end. Sometimes I forget or don't realize that there are people working serious magic every day and that floating air, in fact, exists. But how? Who figured it out? Does it involve any rare and strange ingredients? Potions? Professors? To find out, I met up with Benedettiville's science correspondents, Marina, Valentino, and Nico, to find out more about this floating air. Science! With Marina and Val!
So I'm uh, I'm sitting at a table with Valentino and Nico and a head-eating platypus and Marina. And you guys, I had some questions because apparently air can float. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, when air is floating, how does that work? And does it involve four rare and strange ingredients and a secret laboratory? No. It doesn't. Okay. Do you have any idea how it works? Because honestly, I don't. Um, Northern air is called helium, and the reason it floats is because it's lighter than air, so it goes up. It's not head eating, it's neck eating. Oh, the platypus has now gone to neck eating. Yeah. And I didn't put any hot sauce on the neck to discourage the neck eating. He likes hot sauce. Oh, now he likes hot sauce. And he's eating the neck. But as long as he's happy. Now, Nico, I have a few questions I need to ask your brother. Because he just raised some very interesting points. Let me get this straight, Val. You're saying that helium is lighter than air. Yeah. But that doesn't... How does that even work? Because if... If it's lighter than air, then it wouldn't even exist on our planet because it would just float away as soon as it showed up, right? Well, helium is trapped inside the Earth. What? And sometimes it can float out and escape. And when it does, it floats out into space. Okay. That's incredible. So you're saying that there is a, there's something inside the Earth that if it escaped would float out into space. But if you can trap it... You can put it into balloons and make them float? Yeah. That's incredible. How do you trap helium? Does anybody know? Well, there's a big uh, space of trapped helium under Texas. What? How come Texas isn't floating away right now? Because the earth is too heavy, so... Whew. Hey, Texas, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. You're heavy enough. You're not going to float away, despite all the helium underneath you. So they're trapping helium in Texas right now, and then they take the helium, and they put it in, um, what? Do you guys know? Yeah, they can keep it in big metal tanks. Okay. They trap helium, and they're going to use it for balloons, but do they use helium for anything else? Yeah. Like what? Uh, they use helium in MRI machines. Gotcha. Okay. And it, the, it's the main use of helium that uses up 12% of the world's helium. Holy cow. And MRI machines are serious stuff, so that means that helium isn't just about birthday parties. Okay, that's incredible. Marina, do you know any other uses for helium? They use a different kind of helium called helium-3 to detect radioactive things in the Earth. Wow. Is there anything else about helium that you guys would like to share with us? Yes. Marina. When you breathe in helium, it makes your voice in a higher pitch. And that's because the helium is thinner than air. So when you're talking now, your voice is lower. But when you breathe in helium, you're talking through the helium, which lets you uh, talk faster. Oh, it so the, the, sound, the sound waves are moving faster and you perceive it as higher. Yeah. That is amazing. That is so cool. Marina, thank you so much for that information. Val, you got any other facts on there that I, I didn't ask about? Mm-hmm.
Helium doesn't explode. What? <laughs> How do you know that? Were you trying to explode a bunch of helium earlier? <laughs> Valentino, careful, man. Do you know why it doesn't explode? just a non-reactive gas, so it doesn't explode, it doesn't corrode things, it doesn't make things rust or eat away at them. If you had, like, if someone handed you something like, it can float, it won't explode, it won't corrode anything, do stuff with this. I feel like you are the type of people that are going to grow up and know what to do with it. Um, do you know how much percentage of helium there is on the Earth? No, you mean like out of the in gases the in the atmosphere? Yeah. I'm going to guess... Uh, don't tell me, just hold the number in your head. Was the number you were thinking of 0.00053%? No, that's much smaller than the percentage number <laughs> I was thinking of. Uh, helium is the second most abundant element on the planet in the universe. Second most abundant in the universe. Yeah. Do you know what the first most abundant is? It's hydrogen. Wow. What about on our planet? Is there, is it the second most abundant thing on our planet or just in the actual universe? Just in the universe. Surprisingly, on the planet, we're running out. Get out of town. Are you serious? Yeah. We're running out of helium? Mm -hmm. Can you tell me any more about that? Uh, 50% of the world's... Helium is used in the USA. Okay. So. so we're using half of the world's helium on any given day. Yeah. That's because we throw a lot of birthday parties. Yeah. It's actually probably more about the MRI machines and testing for radioactive elements, I'm guessing. And if we keep using helium this quickly, we could run out by 2020. 2020 is in two years, Marina. Yes. You're saying that if we keep using helium at the rate that we're using it, it is possible that we would run out of our helium supplies in two years? Yeah. Um, do they have any plans for conserving, slowing down helium use, finding other places of helium? Uh, you can recycle helium. You can? Yeah. Helium users of the world. Please recycle your helium. We would like to have floating air beyond the year 2020. Sometimes when I'm making a story, I think that uh, it's fun to like, come up with imagination things. And you're like, oh, how would you make a floating balloon? And then when people find out the actual way to do those things, it's usually way crazier than I imagined. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's like... Yeah, you can come up with a weird potion to make floating air, but the actual thing that makes air float is a trapped thing under the earth that floats out into space if you don't catch it, and then you can use it to find other radioactive elements. You can use it in MRI machines. That's, that's a, I would never have been able to imagine those things. You know, next time we come for an interview, I'm going to bring a neck and head-eating platypus cage with me. What do you think? He can eat, he can eat anything, like seriously. He eats everything. He would eat the cage. Yeah. There's no way to contain the platypus. Nope, there's a house inside him right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys still have this house. Imagine how terrible it'll be when he eventually eats this whole house. He doesn't eat this house. All he eats is other people's houses. Do you know where I live?
don't. He does? Yeah. That's <laughs> terrible. Okay, just make sure you guys keep him in the house, okay? Because um. that's terrifying. This has been completely enlightening and very fascinating. And I would like to thank our science correspondents, Valentino and Marina, very much for all of the information on helium. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Science, science. science. with Marina and Val. I was working in the garden, planting up some seeds When I heard a little something, sounded like a breeze I turned my ear and looked down, and boy was I surprised I saw a little fairy, right there before my eyes He had a floppy hat, and some green butterfly wings And he wore these fancy pants, and lots of jewels and rings he waved to me, I waved back, but he was too quiet to hear. So he flew up to my shoulder, and he whispered in my ear, and he said, Would you please build me a house? Could you build me a new home? You see, your house was built on top of where my little house used to be, and I could use a place to call my very own. Well, I said, gosh, I'm very awful sorry that my house tore your house down. Let's get right to work now. Let's build you a whole town. I got tools from the shed, and I grabbed some moss and dirt. I put on my working boots and my best all-working shirt. We dug around all day. We dug around all night. And when the morning came, oh, we had little rocky lanes and some little flower beds And about a hundred little places to rest some fairy heads And he said, thanks for building me a house Thanks for building this new home And please tell everyone how much this means to me A place to live that I can call my own I told him that I'd tell, I told him that I'd share And I wrote down these words, I wrote them down with care Fairies need some houses, just like you and me It can be made out of most anything, moss and bark and leaves Just add some little flowers, make a little path And make sure that you water it, because it's got to last and you may not see the fairies They tend to be quite shy But trust me, they'll be living there To say a warm and dry And they'll say Thanks for building me a house Thanks for building me a home Fairies need the same things As me and you and you A place to live and call our very
We are now pleased to bring you our next segment, a very boring and grown-up segment all about groceries, backyard work to be done, household chores, and that kind of thing. Yes, sir, nothing that any kiddos would ever want to hear is coming up next. So, as a kind courtesy to all of you kids out there, we encourage you to leave the room. Yep, just toddle off and read a book, or better yet, Put on some headphones, play your favorite music loud, and don't listen at all. So then, go on, have fun, and uh, we'll just pause for a moment while all you youngsters escape our terrible, boring segment coming up next. Okay, moms, dads, parents and guardians of the wee ones, are we alone? Okay then, let us call to order the first ever radio transmission meeting of The Parenting League of the Universe! Let's begin with the motto of the Parenting League of the Universe. You're doing great! All right, let's talk about breakfasts. Pancakes are a part of every household's recipe repertoire. However, many of us have encountered dietary restrictions, food allergies. I mean, is Johnny's best friend who is sleeping over this weekend vegan? Well, never fear. Heather's grandmother will be offering her famous class, One Million Ways to Make Pancakes, at the secret headquarters all next week. Make sure you sign in with your secret parent league codename and don't give away the secret entrance. Also... Parenting League of the Universe, let's review that handshake. It has been reported that some of you are saluting when you should be shaking and that the quality of the thumbs-ups has been lackluster. Let's stay sharp, fellow parents. We don't always have our kids with us, and when we don't, we need a way to know when we are among our own. Next item on the agenda, for all parents of daughters, dads, hey, I'm talking to all of us. If you can sneak away next Saturday, you should really attend Dr. David Gastonblatt's presentation and workshop on hair braiding. It can be a daunting and hairy world out there. David will get your braiding in tip-top form in no time at all. Finally, we will be voting on the new super secret coat of arms next month. We're still working out the design, so feel free to send in your suggestions and be prepared to vote on the final drafts then. Okay, we've covered all that we can cover. The kids are most likely getting very restless. Go and get them. And in the meantime, Gio will start talking about conserving energy, turning off lights, very boring things like that. And um, in the meantime, keep up the good work. And remember, you're doing great. Meeting adjourned. And so, as I was saying, light bulbs, in addition to being very boring, can also shine light on things. But they shouldn't be on if no one else is in the room. And in conclusion, wasn't that a very, very boring conversation about things that kids would never want to hear about ever? And aren't we all glad it's over? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of our first episode of Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on KPCA 103.3 FM, streaming live on the net at kpca.fm. Woohoo! Benedettiville is Gio and Jen, Stella and Emmeline. All stories and silliness in this episode were co created by Gio, Jen, Stella, and Emmeline. And all the music that you heard was written by Gio. Woohoo!
It's a pretty sweet team we've got here, Jenny. I love it. Yeah, me too. We have a lot of thanks, so let's get right to it. Big thanks to Rob, Jared, and John down at KPCA for putting it all together and getting us on the airwaves. Thanks, guys. Thanks to Patty Norman. Thanks to Josh Windmiller. Jenny? A very special thanks to our young friends, Leah, Jevony, Teddy, Bryce, Samuel, Molly, and Rowan, Ryland, Stella, Chloe, and Morgan, Will, Paxton, and Chase, Esme, Evelyn, and Oliver, Marina, Val, and Nico. Those are all the voices you heard on all the segments, folks. Thanks for participating, gang. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Dinner Time and Socks. And we are very grateful for coffee. Always grateful for coffee. If you guys have any stories, ideas, things you want to tell us, some pieces of news, please drop us a line, mail at benedettiville.com. You can find us online at benedettiville.com or whatever your favorite social media outlet is. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>